It starts with a beat that goes like this. There's a synthesizer that holds the universal note C, then E. A warbling guitar-like synth joins in and colors the two-note melody ever so slightly with a little bit of F. Next comes the two-note bass line that mirrors the synth. C, then E. It's a simple harmonic structure, C major, E minor, one that doesn't change throughout the entirety of the song, even as a few more well-timed layers are added to the instrumentation. And then, there's this voice. It's an unusual voice, almost androgynous and sort of low-key, like a really good singer who is not showing off. The lyrics are cryptic, and the overwhelming sentiment is earnestness. This person feels very real. This is a song that was inspired by a muse, then championed by a movie, whose own muse swallowed the original muse. And then not just the song, but the story of that song's journey became our muse. Welcome to Strange Musics. My name is Janine White. And I'm Vincent Marconi. We're longtime collaborators on a variety of creative projects, most notably our musical group, Johnny Hollow. In the decades we've been working together, we've spent a lot of time just talking on the phone, long conversations about the weird things we encounter as we shape our ideas. Today, we're going to talk about how the song Goodbye Horses became a cult classic. Goodbye Horses is an underdog song produced in 1986 that is still underground famous now. Its writer is William Garvey, and the vocal performance is by Diane Lucky, also known as Q Lazarus. For both of them, this song could be called the shining moment of their musical careers. Neither of them ever replicated this kind of success again in the industry. And it all started when the right film director got into the right cab at the right moment. As the story goes, Diane Lucky was driving a couple of Hollywood folks back to their hotels through a New York blizzard in her day job as a taxi driver. One of those folks was Jonathan Demme, a rising star movie director. After dropping the other passenger off, Diane popped in a tape of some songs she and William had collaborated on, and a track called Goodbye Horses immediately pricked Demi's ear. He is said to have asked her, What is this, and who are you? 
He hooked her up with a record label to get the song released, and seems to have kept her in mind in the years after that. A lucky Garvey collaboration called The Candles Go Away was featured in Demi's 1986 comedy Something Wild. Goodbye Horses first made an appearance in 1988's Married to the Mob. Q Lazarus herself even has a memorable moment on screen as a street performer singing the talking head's Heaven in his acclaimed 1993 movie Philadelphia. But it was in 1991 that he immortalized her performance of Goodbye Horses in an iconic scene of an iconic movie called The Silence of the Lambs. The movie is based on a fictional novel by Thomas Harris, which was inspired by real-life serial killers Ted Bundy and Gary Heidnick. It was exceptionally acted, with the protagonist, an FBI student named Clarice, played by Jodie Foster, and her psychopathic inmate mentor, Hannibal Lecter, played by Anthony Hopkins. It's one of those movies that really holds up decades later. It's chilling and engrossing, and it's one of the few films in the horror genre that was nominated for a slew of awards. The serial killer character of Buffalo Bill was played by Ted Levine. This character's most seminal scene happens as Clarice and the authorities are desperately trying to track down the suspect and a young woman he has kidnapped. Now, I watched this movie around the time when it first came out, decades ago. But Vincent has done his homework and re-examined the clip that first embedded this music into his brain and has stayed there ever since. Okay, so you know we're discussing the Silence of the Lambs and I'm wondering if you can paint a picture for us of this particular scene for those listeners that either haven't seen the movie or need a refresher. Yeah, this is a particularly intense scene. Um, It starts with the camera revealing a large, spacious, dark basement. The basement is so big that it actually contains a dried up well. And at the bottom of the well, uh, Buffalo Bill has trapped the Senator's daughter. So she's at the bottom. And all the while we get a sense of the basement, we hear the song Goodbye Horses reverb heavily in the background against these black dampened stone walls. The scene is really intense because the Senator's daughter is also trying to lure the thing that matters most to Buffalo Bill, and that's a small poodle named Precious. So she's trying to get this little dog into the well with a stray bone inside of a pail with a rope. She realizes that this is her only way to get any leverage in her situation, so she's desperately trying to trap this little dog. Now, as she's trying to trap this dog, the film edits to Buffalo Bill preparing for kind of a grotesque kind of drag performance of one. The camera pans close to different parts of his body, um, forcing the viewer to feel kind of intimate with the serial killer. Um, We get a close-up view of his lips as he's applying lipstick. We get a close-up view of his bloody thorn tattoo. Um, There's something very sexual about the way the camera is moving over his body. We watch him play with his nipple ring. Beneath his eyebrows, we're seeing him apply eyeshadow. And then we realize that Buffalo Bill is actually recording this whole scene himself. He hits record with his own camera. 
and he backs away and begins to dance after tucking away his own appendage. And what's really terrifying is that as he's backing away from the camera, we can see the wig that he's wearing more clearly, and it contains dried skin at its base. And what it appears to be is that he had previously scalped one of the women um, or were the victims, and he's wearing it kind of like a crown over his head. All of this feels like a gruesome dance before a ceremony, a ceremony that can only be completed once he dances with a skin suit made of different parts of women. And that's the reason why the senator's daughter is at the bottom of the well, because she will contain the next bits and parts of his suit. And all the while this is happening, Goodbye Horses is playing in the background. If you were to describe how the feeling of that song or the vibe of the song interacts with what is happening visually, what comes to mind? Well, first off, the, the song is a really great choice because the director could have gone with something very dire and moody. And although this song is moody too, but it's, there's hopeful tones in this song. And so when you get the juxtaposition between light and dark in such a gruesome uh, scene and edit, it really, really plays well. If he had done something kind of over the top and, and uh, gothic or heavy metal, it, it wouldn't have worked as well because the music behind Buffalo Bill is actually rather hopeful while he's doing this peculiar, awful uh, thing before it. So I think it really is why the, the, the scene is really memorable to this day. And you can find it all over YouTube in different, it's edited in all sorts of ways. Right. And, and you can hear in the background, if I remember correctly, the, the efforts of the girl trying to mm -hmm. escape, which is really creepy because it's almost like they're both trying to escape the position they're in at the moment. Hers, it's sort of a life and death situation. Right. And he's celebrating. Also, what's neat how they've used the song is that when we go to her, we hear the song really like reverb and echo over the walls. So it's kind of in the background, but it's still very present. When we pan back to him, it's like we're in a club. The song is really um, as close to you as his own body parts are to the camera. So we're going back and forth and back and forth. So the film director is really having us hear it almost the way that the character is hearing it. Right. And the character, Buffalo Bill himself, is kind of creating a music video over um, his art. And I say that with ghost quotes, of course. Yeah, it's a genuinely disturbing scene. It's terrifying. And to this day, um, I think of it's I think it, it's etched itself permanently in, in into my into my brains. So I'll never forget it. The lyrics of Goodbye Horses, according to Garvey, refer to the Bhagavad Gita, a sacred Hindu text. The metaphor imagines a chariot, which is the body carrying the soul. The driver holding the reins is the mind or the intellect. And five horses represent the five earthly senses of sight, sound, smell, taste, and touch. It is easy to see how these lyrics could resonate in the twisted mind of Buffalo Bill in that scene, as he fantasizes about escaping his own physical body by taking on another's. Garvey seems to have had mixed feelings about the song's reception. On one hand, 
It was an incredible point of pride to have his songwriting so prominently featured in such a seminal movie. On the other, it put a sinister twist on lyrics that he had intended to be ultimately uplifting. Here are his own words read by Vincent. It has a rather grisly association with the serial killer in Silence of the Lambs, but really the song is about transcendence over those who see the world as only earthly and finite. The horses represent the five senses from Hindu philosophy and the ability to lift one's perception above these physical limitations and to see beyond this limited earthly perspective. But the song has become so inextricably linked to the Silence of the Lambs that most often, when it reappears in popular media, the reference remains. Like in the 2006 comedy Clerks 2, where it played during a direct parody of the famous Buffalo Bill scene. Oh. Goodbye, horses. There was definitely some outcry at the time from the gay community about this particular character. And I know that this scene is actually being re-examined now. What do you think about all of that? Well, it's, it's kind of, um, it's a deep well <laughs> that we could go into. I remember at the time, like the 90s were not what, where we are now. And at the time, as a young gay guy, I kind of felt that this is how everybody felt about gay men in their, in their private homes. They were doing these kind of things. There's a tendency in culture at that time and earlier, and still now to some degree, where uh, homosexual people are vilified into villains and then doing and creating a serial killer. Uh, out of that just um deepens that into that it, it just it just deepens that archetype yeah it's a caricature almost yeah and then we get into trans rights on top of that now there now there's a whole other layer in the and how a trans person would feel about a serial killer representing um a transition from uh you know male to female or even female to male that it's evil that it requires a sacrifice of another human and that you should beware of these type of people is pretty awful. That the trans quality is um, something defective to be afraid of. Something defective, something monstrous, something to be aware of. Um, now, having said all of that, I love this film and I don't think I would change it at all, but it is something to, I think, um, I think it's noteworthy and something to reflect on. And also, I think a film like this, because of its quality, uh, allows us to examine things from this point in time, where we were at then, and hopefully where we won't go back to. Like What I really love about this song is that it's both moody and hopeful. And when you combine those elements, I feel like it's really powerful. And that, 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 you know, dance between dark and light, I feel like Goodbye Horses really, really is right in the middle there. And that's why I think I'm inspired by the song. And I, and I think I've always looked for that in, in music and try to achieve that even in my own art. So I'm wondering, like, do you, what do you think about those two components within music itself? You, is that something that you search for or do you, what do you think about it in general? Yeah, I don't think I search for it, but I think it's often what I land on 
because it's so real, right? It, that, that's a real reflection of real life where nothing is purely one thing or another. And there's a lot of um, longing in this song for me, which is, which is one of those mixed feelings where that, that's sort of aspirational. It's sort of uplifting. It's looking towards something optimistic, but also um, not quite reaching it or feeling a little bit dragged down. You know, like it's got both sides to that happening at the same time. You know, when you say the word longing, I never, I didn't see that before. Yeah, the lyrics and the way she's singing the lyrics. And I think I identify with that in particular, wanting to know like kind of why we're here and to like grapple with um, pain and beauty at the same time. As the writer of the song, we know that Garvey kind of had mixed feelings about this because that combination of dark and light feelings on its own is so beautiful. And then you set it into that setting of the silence of the lamb scenes, and it's even more effective because of that. Right. It's in the shadow of this dark monster. <laughs> and although it works well in that shadow, it does, it, it sets the tone for the song. And now um, it's, it's permanently associated with it, whether it wants to be or not. William Garvey died of heart failure in 2009 at the age of 51. He was still actively creating and producing music and had released some remixes of Goodbye Horses, perhaps trying to reclaim its essence. Diane Lucky died in July of 2022 at age 59. Coincidentally, as we were working on our version of this unusual song that had lodged itself into our to-do list of intriguing covers. How she spent the rest of her life is a bit of a mystery. By the mid-90s, she had all but disappeared from easily accessible public record, as people often did before social media, and is reported to have been employed as a bus driver in New York for many years before she passed away. The Muse for Goodbye Horses was a spiritual concept about transcending the difficulties of being physically human. It was lifted out of a New York taxi by a Hollywood movie director, and after that, transcended its writer, its singer, and even its meaning, outlasting them all with a complicated life of its own. And all of this became the muse for our cover of this bewitching, unique, infamous song.
begin to fall He said All things pass Into the night getting to our credits, we want to thank our Patreon community especially. This song and the work behind this song was paid for by you. And if you're listening to this podcast and you wish to support our work and this podcast, you can subscribe at patreon.com slash johnnyhollow. Strange Muses is produced by Janine White and Vincent Marconi. Sound design and audio production by Janine White. Original music is by Johnny Hollow. Please check the show notes to find out more about the song Goodbye Horses and link to it on YouTube. To listen to our cover Goodbye Horses or any other Johnny Hollow track, find us on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you listen to your music. Cover art is by me, Vincent Marconi. You can view and purchase the artwork inspired by our music and lots of other strange things at MyPetSkeleton.com. 